This is WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM, WRUU.org. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with global soul. Coming up next, Art on the Air, with your host, Rob Hessler. Rob Hessler. This is an hour-long interview show dedicated to the visual arts. Each week we feature guests in conversation about their theory, practice, and current projects, as well as the state of the visual arts. This includes artists, art writers, curators, and art advocates. On this week's episode, we've got H. Gene Thompson in the studio. They're the current OnView Artists-in-Residency, and we'll be talking all about the Rainbow Connection Project, which will be coming to its Savannah conclusion as part of First Fridays in Starland on February 7th. Plus, we've got a field note interview with Kelly Bamer. She, too, has an exhibition opening as part of First Friday over at Cedar House Gallery. It's called The Pit of My Stomach, and as a part of the exhibition, the band Donna Savage will be playing. We were able to speak with one of their enigmatic members as part of our field note with Kelly. Finally, we've got a special guest co-host this week. Our good friend Becca Cook will be sitting in the second chair. So let's get started with another episode of Art on the Air. Here are your hosts, Rob Hessler and Becca Cook. And this is Rob Hessler, your host for this episode of Art on the Air. It's Wednesday at 3 o'clock here in the studio on WRUU. And I am, as the intro said, joined by my good friend and co-host, Becca Cook. What's going on, Becca? Hey, not much. So, enjoying enjoying beautiful day in Savannah. Yeah, Becca and I actually are working on a collaborative project right now. And we were kind of just sitting outside working on computers all day, which was better to be working outside on a laptop than it is working inside on a uh well i don't know in a on a gun. sewing machine on a sewing yeah. machine <laughs> that's what i've been doing <laughs> and that other voice that you just heard there is our in-studio guest this week h gene thompson um and of course their project is the rainbow connection project over at sulfur studios as part of the on view artist in residency program we're really happy to have gene in the studio here with us today um welcome welcome to this to our show thank you thanks for having me yeah really excited now if you haven't had a chance to see gene's project uh it has been going on now for uh, about a month the conclusion as i mentioned in the intro is this friday as part of first friday in starland at sulfur studios that's at 2301 bull street and i was reading today that you're going to be doing three to four potentially three three or four performance art pieces as part of the conclusion to that right yeah yeah so at the top of the hour every hour um six o'clock uh 
It'll be about a 20 minute performance, um, seven o'clock, eight o'clock. And um, if there's think, people there. Yeah, if there's people and they're sober enough, um, <laughs> I will, I would definitely engage in a nine <laughs> o'clock performance. Um, I have been, um, I've been meeting artists around town and um, uh, I'm hiring a series of artists and also uh, kind of young people to engage in the work and um, uh, fit, like hold space for audience members to participate in the sculptures. Oh my gosh, well look, this I think is going to be really cool. You're probably, for, but we're going to get we're going to get all into the details of the Rainbow Connection project. Yeah. But before we do that, I do want to read this. I don't this on this particular episode. We might hit on some some themes that make me want to read this general disclaimer here. So the viewpoints expressed in the following program are not necessarily those of WRUU, its license holder or its staff. Um, they are just our views. I don't think it's going to be an offensive kind of show or anything like that, but just because we're going to be hitting on some um, particularly potentially difficult topics here during this uh, during this episode, and I just want to give everybody a heads up on that. And so before we kind of delve into what's going on with the Rainbow Connection Project, Gene, let me read your your bio here from your website, uh, uh, sort of, I made a little, um, an edit. I, I edited, I made it a little smaller because it was a very uh, comprehensive bio, I will say. So I'm gonna read this, this bio here to give all of our listeners out there the opportunity to get to know you a little bit better. H. Gene Thompson is a multimedia sculptor and performance artist from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, who addresses themes of articulating trans identities, gender fluidity, and liberation from patriarchal consumerist society. They use wearable soft sculpture performed with dance and movement to uncover unseen narratives, explore themes of closeness and isolation, and investigate socially confining factors such as the gender binary, class, and race. As a queer non-binary person who is a survivor of sexual violence, Thompson is in invested in using their work to make safer spaces. They use a unique visual language to talk about isolation, blurred sense of identity, and Diaspora. <laughs> oh, dysphoria. Dysphoria. Okay. There I, was we go. Like, yes. I was like, I was <laughs> like, once I, once you say it, I'm like, okay, of course. They use public art to disrupt expectations and isolating barriers, building inclusive performance events that connect people who do not see themselves represented in the media. Thompson, again, is the current on view artist in resident at Sulphur Studios. The Rainbow Connection Project's Savannah Conclusion will be realized as a series of performance art pieces as part of First Fridays in Starland this Friday, February 7th from 6 to 9 p.m. at Sulphur Studios at 2301 Bull Street. And I make now an official welcome, H. Gene Thompson, to Art on the Air. Thank you for reading that. <laughs> <laughs> I stumbled a little bit. That's okay. So before we get into this project, I will say I posted up a link to your website on the Art on the Air Facebook page and some other information. You can also go to sulfurstudios.org and you can see all about the Rainbow Connection Project at that website as well. But I wanna take some steps back because this is far, far, far from the first performance of this type that you have done. You've been doing residencies all over. You've been involved in this for a number of years, over 10,000 hours, and we can talk a little bit about that as well. Been doing this for a long time. And I wanna take some steps back like what got you into making sort of these wearable sculptures that are performance art pieces that involve a lot of different people? How did that start? Oh my gosh, it's uh, it's been it's been a really long journey. Um, 
like the roots of it are, um, you know, I don't really know where to where to pit the roots of it exactly. Like I, um, you know, I definitely grew up in a situation that was um, pretty hostile in many ways, and mm -hmm. uh, and like very like isolating. And um, and this is in Pittsburgh, then in Pittsburgh, right? And so you were like in a very industrial kind of location, basically, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and at the same time, like there was like there were there was that side of it, but there was also the side of it where like social code when you're walking down the street that I grew up around was that people look you in the eyes and they say, "Hey, how you doing?" Mm. And in fact, if you're not from there, if you if you if you're not familiar with the code, it seems a little bit aggressive. Mm. So then when I started leaving Pittsburgh, um it it took me a while to learn that if you look at somebody in their eyes and you say, "Hey, how you doing?" they think you're being aggressive with them. And I can, see, I can see that. And I, I just that. didn't. I, I was so anyway. Um, yeah, so yeah, but yeah. in some ways, there's also this like really beautiful, like sense of community that a lot of people had with their neighbors because people knew each other. And yeah. like because because of that um, and and like the word nebby is a big thing in Pittsburgh. People are nebby there. Like they're always they're always trying to neb. They want to know what you're doing in your house. They're always. Well, OK, what, explain that term. Like I've never heard that term. Nebby. Before. Yeah. I, it just means you're like. If, if somebody is to neb on one's neighbor, that means that you're always spying on your neighbors. Like you're opening the blinds like yeah. this. Yeah. 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 Or, <laughs> yeah. And then like people will just be like, you know, the other day when I was watching you change, I noticed you had a lot of tattoos. And I'm like, that's weird. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, sorry. Sorry. I don't mean to get into that. Um, the culture of the city that I grew up in um, was strong and definitely influences my work. Right. Um, and then I kind of, I, I strangely enough, got sort of recruited to go to college by like a mixture of a mentor of mine and somebody I was dating. And, um, when I was in high school, I was not planning to go to college at all. But then I got kind of like scooped into like Carnegie Mellon. And um, yeah. I got a full ride to Carnegie Mellon. Nice. It was very, uh, very generous of them. Nice. Um, thanks, Carnegie. Mellon. <laughs> um, but, but that was a big grant to get. You know what I mean? That and like and actually before that kind of like I, I was working with the Andy Warhol Museum, um, uh, who uh, uh, Mary Tremonti, uh, Mary Mack, um, Just Seeds, Sean Slafer, like all like were all mentors of mine in high school and really hooked it up and like helped me see that there were ways to get out there and like um, how'd, you, and, how'd you get engage. into sewing like specifically like sewing fiber and fiber work I would say that it wasn't exactly media it wasn't it wasn't because I'm like oh I'm so excited in the medium or like something like that to be completely honest which is it's interesting because I am in this place that is very like design driven mm -hmm. you know I mean right obviously because of the kind of social landscape of it um, what I'm trying to say is that I I don't know. I'm I'm like I'm a little bit of a practical person as many people are from Pittsburgh and I was like I, so I was like I was like I was interested in these like big immersive sculptures in like making these creating these landscapes with the work and I was like wow what medium can I do this in? I can't I can't figure a medium out. I just I kind of couldn't I was like print work print print installation. I was working at a print studio Artist Image Resource in Pittsburgh mm -hmm. doing all these shout outs. Anyway, um, <laughs> 
Um, All of our Pittsburgh listeners out there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but, uh, but making people famous is the thing, too. Um, so then I, uh, I had an artist friend who lived in New York who invited me up to um, her place, Katie Kaplan, amazing print artist. Um, and I, I was there and I was like, and we were going dumpstering every night and I found this and we found this fabric dumpster and wow, I like loaded up on fabric. I like tons. You hear this back I'm so excited. Tons, tons. And it was all one color and I was so excited because I just wanted one color of fabric. And I was like, yes! I want to find a fabric dumpster. I, I know. That sounds I know. amazing. So anyway, so I found, <laughs> it was like, it, yeah, it was this, um, but they were all in like very small pieces, you know? Yeah. So then I like, I, and I was working, I was, I was taking a class, so I brought all this back from New York in the Megabus and they were like, this is sketchy, why do you have trash bags? And I'm like, don't worry about it. <laughs> It's fine. Like, I have, like, five trash bags with me that I was, like, waddling around with and, like, took the bus back to my house. And I was like, I have all this fabric. So I, like, got to work and I started sewing them all together. <laughs> and, like, and I was in, I was in, um, at the time I was at Carnegie Mellon with a, a, a really wonderful artist, Pat Odalesco, um, who is, like, very inspirational to me, um, who makes, like, wearables and stuff. Um and I was like doing this crazy, like doing this crazy thing. And she's like, you're crazy. This is never going to work. And <laughs> and it was so interesting how much she was naysaying me. And like a lot of people around me were naysaying me on this project. And I was like, it is going to work. Like, yeah. it is going to work. And I just... I, anyway, so I made these, like, I started making these, like, big landscapes that were, like, installation kind of base. Mm -hmm. And, like, that wasn't quite, like, activated. It was too passive for me, I realized. Anyway, like, uh, and then I started, I was, like, I was, like, I don't know what to do with this work. People don't like, it. like, you know, people are telling me no. And, you know, I'm not able to engage the engage my audience enough but it was like it's also awesome how it just folds up i love you this store it so easily i could just store you it just so easily it so i kept like bringing it back out and like doing just more and more events with it and being like no this is gonna stick and people loved it in events so then i started working with and then i met some dancers at the pride at like pittsburgh pride and then i we started talking and we just had this like fiery idea um where they were gonna get in the work and like it was going to be crazy and um and after that project it was uh with anna and taylor slow danger if you look up slow danger their work is great um uh it was a collaboration mm -hmm. with them and um the work it was just awesome and i was like wow i really need to follow this further like you know we were we were like really playing with like how does how, how do these sculptures kind of act when they're stretched and like, you know, what is it? And like, we were using the idea of like the body and like in space, but, but, and so that was in 2013 that that yeah, started. Yeah, yeah. And then I was like, I met, um, I met a person named Joey Molinero, also amazing touring artist. And, um, uh, he basically challenged me to go on tour. And was like, go on tour with me, like do something. And I was like, what am I gonna go? I, I was like, I, I can play the trumpet, but like, what am I gonna do? And I was like, no, 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 bring the fabric sculptures, yeah. do that, like do it live. And everyone, and like, people were really surprised when I was like, I was like, all right, I'm gonna perform this work alone. I'm gonna make work to perform alone on the road. And I, it was, it was in, it was really intense how people started reacting to the work. And then I was like, okay, I was like, you know what? I, um, 
like the way I was kind of working in Pittsburgh, like work got really slow in the winter. So I was like, okay, well, I'm just gonna like book a tour and take off. And it was like, bold moves. People were like, you're gonna do wait, 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 you're gonna come to our cafe and do what? Uh, you're gonna get in what? And wait, yeah. what? And like, I had so many so questions awesome. that tour. And it was so extremely rich in my creative process to just be able to like, right. show people the work and get the, the live feedback. I was like, this is amazing. Like, people are responding really well to just like, me showing up and showing them something that they had never really considered before could be a performance and and like it was it was exciting you know to really like have these events that were like you know kind of flipping the script and like adding something a little bit more immersive than just like um you know hearing i, I mean i love bands but like hearing a band at a show and right um, so right I, right right and people it was always interesting to like see who would end up wanting to play my show and it was you know a lot of noise and like noise was like big like kind of like just kind of seeing its first like i don't know it was getting bigger you know for sure and um yeah so then i awesome. guess awesome well really quick yeah, let sorry. me just okay. say I'm yeah sorry. no no I'm you're telling great you like the chronological story to answer the question. it's very it's great actually it's yeah, really good information me, for those of you who are just joining us you're listening to art on the air on wruulp savannah georgia 107.5 FM, WRUU.org. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with Global Soul. I am your host, Rob Hessler, here with my special in-studio guest co-host, Becca Cook. And our guest this week is H. Gene Thompson. And I do want to mention at the end of the show today, we're going to be playing a field note as well with Kelly Bamer and a special extra guest Well, that's going to be on there. One of the members of Donna Savage. Very difficult interview to line up. So that was a, that's a special, a very special treat for you at the end of the show. But right now we're talking with Gene here. And so you've kind of given us a really great idea of how you got into making these sculptures. But what I'm and and the way the performance started and kind of I mean you can sort of follow that pathway to now. I'm wondering because you also have a really deep social consciousness with the work that you're doing. So I want to shift gears a little bit here and kind of get a sense of like, where did that kind of come in? Like when, how did you sort of find yourself? Cause I look at your artwork and, you know, watching some of the videos and reading about like what you've done. And I think of it as like activism in a lot of ways. And so like, how did you, where did that come from? And then like, like, how do you sort of think about that when you're making these sculptures other than just like, oh, it's cool to see how these things move, but you're also communicating important ideas. I really, um, as I kind of mentioned earlier, the Just Seeds artists, mm -hmm. um, you know, they were a really big, um, you know, inspiration to me as a young person. Um, I... I um, began having access to them through public programs that they were doing um, or just, you know, it's like kind of, I mean, they were just individual artists, but I happened to kind of like strike upon like a very like awesome radical community as a young person. Um, you know, I was able to, you know, learn about like, the the importance of like writing letters to incarcerated folks and um you know like different ways that were like really like grassroots you know i mean i was part of the food not bombs and in pittsburgh and like you know just like kind of like this 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 fiery organizing that we could do that would just bring people together and really learning like it that the most important thing was that people had space to be in this world because, you know, you see signs up that are like, 
no loitering. So I started like making loitering signs <laughs> and like, you know, but and like, you know, that. really thinking about like public. So it really like pushed me. And then when I, you know, I like kind of, it was like this mix of like being in that community, but also like seeing the art world and seeing that like, it's like, wow, why isn't the art world just like all saturated with people who are doing, who are like, more socially conscious because like it's it like if we're if we're creating space for people like that's that's organized like why why isn't it about that you know yeah. what i mean i mean how could but it I'm, not be too like yeah. as artists yeah. like we're conscious i mean we're reflecting the world around us like how could you not be an activist almost like it's almost impossible in my at least in our contemporary times to not think of it like at least to a certain extent like to not be influenced at least by that and then of course if it's influenced, then it's filtered through us and it goes out into the work. There's like almost no way around it. Yeah. I want to talk to you about, you use a word in, in in a lot of the writings that you've put out about your work. You use the word authenticity and you've said the word, like you've said authentic movements. And I've been trying to pin my brain on what that means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, so I read the um, the interview that you did with Rachel Flora and Connect Savannah that's in this week's uh, issue of Connect. And one of the things that she talked about, was, or one of the things that you talked about in that was your first movement workshop. And I'll let everybody know that if you're listening to the live show, there's the final movement workshop is tonight at Sulphur Studios. Is that sort of at six o'clock? Five. At five. At five, five to seven. And then we're doing a photo shoot um, afterwards from seven to eight, which I'm inviting people who come to at least some of the workshop uh, to be part of if they'd like to. Right. So that'll, so you've been doing that, but you mentioned how like yeah, in that, you, in that first one, like there you. were people like frustrated, they didn't know what to do. And I was kind of like, I'm wondering if, like, how do those things relate? Like, it, what is authentic authenticity? When you say the word when authenticity, say, what I've, does that mean? Like, not entirely sure which part of the conversation you're relating to in terms of the frustration part, but um, because people weren't really frustrated. I mean, occasionally, occasionally adults get frustrated with creativity if they're not like used to it because um, they're like not exactly patient with themselves sometimes and like don't foster that like aren't used to fostering like they kind of purge okay yeah out. I, I, so, you know, I so used I the think, wrong word I'm saying so, they said yeah, impatience, yeah, yeah. impatience was yeah, the word that was used so totally. people were trying to figure it out like what do I do not yeah. necessarily frustration but like how to be authentic in that moment I'm, I'm curious like how do you what do you think of that and how do you bring that out in your in your performers and you're because mm -hmm. you're engaging professionals but you're also engaging people who aren't like naturally necessarily inclined to just do that to just say I'm going to yeah. embrace this so moment. Like They're like vulnerability. Yeah, like yeah. Vulnerable is very difficult. I think if you're, I think as an artist, a lot of times we that's what we do. We are vulnerable. That's what create is part of the creative process. But somebody that doesn't do that regularly, it might be a little difficult because they want you to tell them what to do, but you want them to create something, and maybe that's where they get impatient. Yeah. I mean, so I, I think know. a lot about like how to like, you know, how do we hold better space for people mm -hmm. to get to that place creatively um, as, as it is a very therapeutic one. So what um, so authentic movement is actually like that's that's an exercise that people do. And it's a therapeutic exercise. Um, so if you like looked it up online, but a lot of people mm. lead it in different ways. Um, I use it in my practice. Um and, and like many, many, many performers um, and many 
so many before me have used this in their practice. So um, I use it uh, to, to help people kind of like get more in touch with their subconscious selves and like they're kind of the shadow side and and then learn how to maybe externalize that or just get more comfortable with their internal self mm -hmm. because that really does help people kind of externalize parts about themselves and um and i would say that that's really linked to like i i, I would link that to like maybe an underlying cause of like what makes people feel isolated is like a lack of self-expression or like a lack of feeling access to self-expression. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, and a lot of this is just like kind of like my philosophies as somebody who like is an educator and likes to facilitate and hold space for people. But like, I'm really trying to kind of like get closer and closer to like how my artistic practice and my practice as an educator are the same thing because um you know holding space for p adults especially to be creative is really like it's just rare it's rare to find there aren't a lot of spaces for um people to connect in the world that are public or that are well, safe that are safe and, uh, yeah, yeah so that's actually uh, and i want to talk about that because you mentioned the term third spaces public spaces that do not require monetary exchanges and they're accessible, facilitate, facilitated public programming, and that's kind of like what you're doing, facilitating that. And I'm I'm really I'm really interested in that because I do feel like you know what you're talking about, people feeling isolated. That's because like a lot of the goals and ideals that we sort of our society is based around are on really superficial I superficial things like you mentioned commercialism consumerism which is so superficial it doesn't really like it doesn't provide anything more than that instant gratification of the moment of of getting whereas like what you're talking about is like it's first of all it's a free space you go and you do something and you're like in this space and you're trying to do something that is not that doesn't have any basis in what people are normally experiencing in their life. So as like Becca said, who people who are not artistic or who are not expressive, like it's, it's so different than what they're experiencing, like on a day to day level. And I, 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 I don't think, know. I think all people are artistic or expressive at some point. I mean, mm -hmm. all children are extremely artistic and expressive. I think that just growing up in the society we live in kind of makes us close some of that out. Absolutely. And I think everybody has some kind of creativity, but right. finding that or just expressing that or yeah. having so a So how do you use it? third yeah. spaces to like foster that? Like how are you using your creation of spaces to like, I mean, you're talking about kind of using those, those um, authentic movements to bring that out. Is that what you're sort of getting at? Um, yeah. I'm also going to kind of address one thing that yeah, Becca yeah. was saying, which, and you know, I really think that like us as artists are, I mean, we're in an, an extremely privileged position, okay. you know, like, let's just say, for instance, like, you know, any one of us as an artist makes like 10 grand a year, like, and be <laughs> like, whenever, you know, whenever somebody comes to me and be like, oh, I don't have any money, you know, I'm, and, you know, and uses the word, well, I really hate when people use the word poor to describe themselves if they're artists, unless, yeah. and unless they grew up poor, which is like, of a very different thing but right. you know like I, I i try to like you know obviously check my privilege as a white person um who's making art um and just you know know that like i am 
like I'm uh, yeah I just have I've access to a lot of privilege with this mm -hmm. and I think that there are really positive ways that you and there are there are ways that you can like you know break that down and flip the script and I think that by using like by using art space to kind of like foster community and like create create spaces that aren't you know a third space for instance is like the idea of like something that's not somebody's house and that you don't have to buy anything to be in there necessarily um like a library or something is a is like pretty much like a library or a church or something like yeah. that um but you know i think i think the difficulty sometimes with churches is that like you know obviously people um there's there's like a little bit of um you know, sometimes there there is an exchange that needs to happen there in order for you to continue to be in that space and for it to be okay, which is oppressive mm -hmm. occasionally. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? I'm not all churches are oppressive. Some are, and uh, yeah. So and like really trying to be conscious of like how to break down language when we're holding space to um, right. as artists, so that we're using non-oppressive language, so that people and non-assumptive language which is also very oppressive sometimes, you know, when we're assuming one thing or another. However, sometimes people get really confused by non-assumptive language. You know, I'll be like talking about somebody, I'll be like, oh, you're a young person. And then they'll be like, that's my son or that's my kid. And I'm like, I don't know, like, and I, I don't know anything about you, you and your relationship. I just know that you're taking care of this person like right. mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. um anyway so i guess it's just like it's it's a it's a lot of i i hope i'm answering your oh question. no you are you are but right. we do have to take our mid-show break the time goes by so quick i it does it bugs me actually because i really want to ask i really want to follow up on that but we do need to take our mid-show break and i do really want to delve deeply into the rainbow connection project because that's what's happening this coming uh, Friday is part of First Friday in Starland over at Sulphur Studios. That's Friday, February 7th, and Sulphur Studios is at 2301 Bull Street from 6 to 9 p.m. Gene will be doing several performance art pieces on the hour, 6, 7, 8, and potentially 9 p.m. When we come back, we're going to talk all about the Rainbow Connection Project. Just going to do a couple of quick messages, and I want to mention again, of course, that at the end of the show, we'll be playing our field note with Kelly Bamer and Donna Savage. Be right back. Art on the Air is brought to you by Starlandia Supply, located in the heart of the Starland District of Savannah at 2438 Bull Street. Starlandia Supply works to make art making more accessible to everyone by lowering the price of supplies through reclamation and trading. Starlandia helps customers recycle gently used art supplies and materials and also carries a fine selection of new materials including Windsor Newton, Liquitex, Faber-Castle, Montana spray paints, and Copics. Moreover, Starlandia Supply is the only locally owned art store in Savannah. They're open Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Sunday from noon to 6 p.m. More information can be found on Facebook by searching Starlandia Supply or at StarlandiaSupply.com. Shop local. Shop Starlandia Supply. WRUU 107.5 FM is a new and different listener-supported and all-volunteer community radio station for Savannah. Our diverse broadcast and web programming is supported by generous listeners who value our passion and our spunk. We're independent of other media and receive no government or large corporate support. 
People like you are the largest and most important source of our funding. So go to WRUU.org to find out how you can make a one-time or monthly contribution. Thank you. Why are there so many songs about rainbows? And what's on the other side? Rainbows are visions, but only illusions. And rainbows have nothing to hide. So we've been told, and some choose to believe it. I know they're wrong, wait and see. Someday we'll find it, the rainbow connection. The lovers, the dreamers, and me. We're back in the studio here. This is Art on the Air with your host, Rob Hessler. And I've got my special in-studio guest co-host here, Becca Cook. And our in-studio guest this week is H. Gene Thompson. I want to mention we've got a couple of great episodes coming up here for you. Next week on February 12th, I'll be airing my sit-down interview with Amy Pleasant from Laney Contemporary as well as an extended field note with Tamara Garvey from Starland Cafe. And I just locked this in today. I'm going to be having a chat with Ben Tollefson. Oh, this is a tough last name. Kevin Labouchane. I'm going to go with that. About another body for myself at the Hen House at the Stables. And then on February 19th, I'm going to have Aaron Wessling from W Projects in the studio with me to talk about public art and I, I can't wait to have her on. She's I really admire her and it's been I've been wanting to have her on for a long time. And I just lined up a field note with Dana Richardson from the Jepson Center. She's gonna be talking about her new mural project that she's doing at the top of the stairway there. Um, you might remember Catherine Sando did a piece there last year. She's going to be filling in that same spot. So that's going to be really cool. I'm going to be doing that interview from over at the Jepson Center. So that'll be really cool. And then on February 26th, I'm going to have Philip Davis in the studio. I'm going to have a special guest co-host as well. I really was impressed with what Philip did at the uh, Freedom Now exhibition over at the Cultural Arts Center. And um, I'm also going to have a field note with Peter Roberts from Kobo Gallery. And he's got a show opening in New York soon. And I just wanted to check in with him about everything that he's got going on. So anyway, let's get back into our live in-studio guest this week, H. Gene Thompson. And Gene, um, we came into this on the song, The Rainbow Connection, but we're not going to talk too much about that. We, I, I got your permission to play that beforehand. Just wanted to make sure I wasn't out of bounds on that. But that's a lovely song. But let me... I've got the description of the project here from sulfur studios and i we're just going to read this one the the sort of the top sentence it says the rainbow connection project connects people both physically and energetically what does it mean what's the project all about tell us what it's about yeah um so it's about kind of like um, visualizing these energetic pathways um, of connection between us um, in in hopes that by putting people in the space, um, in like a closer space in these fabric sculptures, that um, by kind of increasing proximity, we're able to like, you know, 
break down the feelings of like being so so far away from one another that when when we are able to get in the work together um and we're we're not necessarily like physically touching in the work but um the the fabric is kind of we're able to like feel each other's presence in in the the weight yeah, of the fabric. so i noticed when i was looking at the videos i went and looked at your website and the videos and there's almost you can see the different performers and it's really kind of for the radio because you can't really see it it's almost like a long tube like kind of fabric and two people are on either end so there's this connection between them the top of their heads to the head so when they're moving, you can almost see where they're almost fighting, kind of pulling, and then getting closer. But it's, uh, to me, when I was watching, it was very emotional seeing, like, two people navigating with this space and this connection and having to move with the other person, because you don't know what the other person is doing. So you have to, like, kind of connect as one body in this, in this suit, in a way. Yeah. Um, the I mean, there's a lot of negotiation of boundaries yes, um, yeah. that performers and I you know I think I think you might be referring to a video of um apart from me yeah uh, which mm-hmm. yes. th- there was, was there was fun. a quite a bit of um like rehearsal time and control on that piece uh-huh. um whereas um uh, as as it was a piece that I directed um and wrote uh but rainbow connection is a piece where it's um there I am bringing in artists to facilitate um uh, there's really not much control I have over the work in many ways. Um, okay. I, I kind of communicate to the artists, you know, like these, this is, this is how I'm envisioning, um, that the work happens, but you know, there, everyone has agency to do what they will. Um, and also because the perform the, 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 um, the public is um, invited to get in the work in a variety of different ways. I, and that's also really just like when when do the performers kind of hand it off to the audience member? That's up to the performers, mm-hmm. right? And um, and it's really it really is challenging for me because I'm I'm you know I'm left to verbally negotiate boundaries with people and make sure that like I'm keeping the space in a way that everybody feels comfortable with. Right. Um, so it's it's really challenging, but it's also really exciting. Yeah, I mean, of course, you want to challenge yourself as an artist. And I, I, there's something in this that I really wanted you say, uh, you say, um, as we share psychic space with an audience, they would like to delve into questions relating to how we can also use ourselves as a medium to connect with the audience to the land where they live and address deeper unresolved issues of past versions of ourselves and i'm really curious about (laughs) that because that's a we haven't dealt we haven't talked at all about that and i know we 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 probably like five more minutes so sure yes let's but i am curious like i mean because this is much more than just what's happening now in as far as your context with this work. So yeah, that's, and I would say that, that um, right now you're actually reading a proposal, the proposal. You're mm-hmm. not even reading the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. artist uh-huh. statement of that. So that's kind of what I'm doing with the workshops is really getting people to like do, you know, some of that is like language that we're exploring in like kind of energetic examinations of ourselves in our relationship with the land um so we're doing that in the workshops well Um, so i'm curious like how has it been like for you like working with people i mean like i know as a performance artist myself and and you know becca and i have had this conversation while we've been working on our project like 
how a performance project you have like everything you lay it all out and you Mm -hmm. write it all up and then like it changes like you start working in the space and you start like you continue your research you know there's a there's a point at which you put the proposal together and then you kind of come to a stopping point on proposal and then you transition to actualization and there's a difference there's a big difference between those two things and so it changes so like I'm curious you just mentioned that like I'm reading the proposal here like how have things been changing for you because you're Mm -hmm. obviously being influenced by making the project yeah um and that's what you know uh language changes and how you're like really thinking about the work um you know i'm really thinking right now a lot about like you know visualizing um those energetic pathways Mm -hmm. um because you know we there's so there's so much underlying in the world that we just can't see so like by by kind of like like by visualizing it by giving it a name um by like digging deeper in ourselves and giving that a name like we're we're able we're able to move some significant energy in our in our own selves and hopefully have results and i normally see results in the in the way that people are interacting with space um and in themselves um so yeah, one other thing I really just kind of wanted to like bring up about this work that is really important to me, period, mm-hmm. is like how to fund projects um, in in ec- equitable ways um, that like, you know, represent your values as an right. artist. Um, because at the same time, you know, it is really like when I say like that uh, creating third space that does not require monetary value, I do ask for a donation. But really, like if if somebody seems nervous by the donation at all, I don't push the issue. You know what I mean? I'm mm-hmm, really I'm mm-hmm. really like p- pay what you can, but no pressure because the and and I do I do really like. I, I trust people to self-select and the thing is that if if you decide to decline and when you and you very much could that's that's just your karma you know what I <laughs> well, mean that's so just your karma this but is, um yeah. you know and I one thing that is very different about the landscape in Pittsburgh and the landscape in Savannah is that um uh there's it seems like funding is hard to get as an ar- artist here however there definitely is a lot more wealth here um, that I'm seeing, and I'm really confused by that. I say that I'd like to challenge the people who um, like do our stakeholders, um, as in like have have a lot of capital. Um, what would it look like if they were making um, funding accessible um, to artists, kind of instead of just buying art and supporting art in that way? You know, like how how do we like? Not all art can be bought. Not all art can be bought. (laughs) And it still serves an extremely um, important part of our society. Oh, my gosh. Well, you I tell you, Gene, you are hitting on something. We we talk about that a lot on this show. In fact, I would even say even buying art would be good enough uh, here in this in Savannah, because I think we have one of the issues that we have is that there is this expectation that art like is an experience that is meant to be almost like totally altruistic or free. So like people will, and this is my, I've said this time and time again, where people go to an art. So their plan for the night is to go to an art show and see an art thing, right? So let's say they're going to your show. They're going to see your performance on Friday night. They'll go out to dinner and they'll spend 40 or $50. They'll go to the art show, which is at Sulphur Studios, where there will be wine and some food. And they'll eat the wine. They'll drink the wine and eat some of the food. They'll watch their performance and pay $0. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, they'll go out for drinks and spend another 20 or $30. So at the end of the night, they might have spent $70 or $100 
centered around going to an art event where they've spent zero dollars. And that's right. one of the things that we very much struggle with here is that people support art really well by going to the thing, but not so much about actually giving any money to the thing. So I have a model for them <laughs> that I'd like to say on the air. Say it, please. So, um, uh, yeah, so I'm selling print work um, that's uh, between 5 and uh, $45 um, at the space. All of it is um, hand handmade print work by me. Um, and um, I'm using that work to fund um, the the payment of the performers. Um, so uh, I'm hiring local artists. I'm hiring um, I'm hiring young people. Uh, I've got two uh, two older teens who will be facilitating space. Who of course will be getting paid. Um, so yeah, feel free to um, stop by and support that by buying a print. Know that you're. Um, that that directly uh, goes to artists. So That's yeah. Awesome. yeah. Anyway, but I'm trying to like and like it's always you know it's always just kind of a how do we fund this project in ways that feel right. equitable and like it's just a conversation. Yeah, your timing is so, actually really good. Okay. It's something that's been going on. We've been having this very much on a. I think all artists right now it's kind of been peaking this yeah. uh, this whole concept we're, we're here. All, we all kind of are. I don't want to say mad. Well, kind of, yeah, we're kind of all mad about that. Yeah, we are kind of mad about it. But it is moving in the right direction. Look, we're almost out of time, so we're going to move to our final segment, Three Big Questions. And now it's time for Three Big Questions with your host, Rob Hessler. All right, Three Big Questions. We don't have a ton of time here. In fact, we're going to do one minute per question. So I'm going to ask the question from my wife first because she's my wife and she always gets to go first. Uh, let's see here. She sent it to me. Is there any significance in the patterns and colors you use in your works? Mm, um, I am. Um, I mean, for for each for each piece, a different one. Yes. Um, um, like apart from me, I'm definitely like talking about about like stark isolations how we feel like how we're onlookers looking outside of ourselves and being like well this is me those are those are other people those aren't like me and like this kind of like estrangement so i'm kind of like you know but like as a painter would talk about estrangement you know that's how i'm using colors where i'm just kind of like you know i really see the color palette and it all like starts coming together and it's like there's a lot of problem solving involved for me where i'm just like you know i start doing sketches i start laying out the work and like start seeing it come alive and being like yeah this this is about that feeling of like you know, isolation or like why, why I'm different from everybody else. I'm not, but you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. Nice. Very good. Becca, do you have a question that you would like to ask? Uh, we were talking about this in the car. Yeah. Like, I think this is a great uh, question. What is the, what is, what is your favorite creature that makes a fiber art piece? That's not human. Oh, uh, best non-human fiber best, artist. Yes. Oh, oh my gosh. I mean, like, uh, why am I not good at remembering names? There's that cool, there's that cool bird in the, yeah, there, there are a bunch of cool birds. Oh my gosh. So we were talking oh, about a no. bunch of different, like, so we were thinking like, okay, so spiders do it, right? Obviously. Yeah, and then you got yeah. silkworms, but we were like birds and building nests and like how they build their nests. And like, it's a, it is fiber work. Like it's such a crazy 
kind of thing. And we were like really enjoying how animals make the yeah. the trapdoor like, spider. Or... Oh yeah, the trapdoor spider. Where it takes <laughs> web and dirt and makes like this little tube with a door on the end that opens and closes. I I, I think really I think I'm really like I'm much more interested. Uh, these days in like actions and like how how like creatures are kind of like I don't know I just keep thinking about like the herring and how the herring uses its environment to like it like walks through the swamp with its legs and it's like super like wily and it like knows what it's doing and it like uses like the grass of the swamp in the water and it's like oh yeah but I know you're there yeah and like uh, I, I don't it. know but so so I guess it's less about the craft and yeah. for me and more about like how the creature is like interacting it's with moving. it although i really appreciate your thought of like how <laughs> animals are crafters all right so we got 30 Thanks. seconds here i'll ask you this one last question why is savannah the best city that you've been to oh um <laughs> wow it's got everything you know you got the ocean the um the 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 air i like the air it's really i'm clean gonna have here. to interrupt you here and eh, you are incorrect it is because art on the air is where savannah is broadcast and that's all the time that we have for this week's episode of Art on the Air. H. Gene Thompson, thank you so much for being our guest on the show today. The move, Your final movement workshop is tonight. If you're listening to the live show, that's Wednesday, February 5th at 5 p.m. till 7 p.m. That's over at Sulphur Studios, 2301 Bull Street. And you can see everything. Second floor. Second. Oh, it's in the it's in the annex. Okay, second floor. Good point. And then you can see everything that Gene has been up to for the for the final presentation of the Rainbow Connection Project. That's part of First Friday here in Starland over at Sulphur Studios from 6 to 9 p.m. on this Friday. I've got Kelly Bamer and Donna Savage coming up next. Real quick, I just want to, I'm going to, Go through these really quick. Kelly Bamer show, Pit of My Stomach, Cedar House Gallery, also part of First Friday. The closing reception for Reclaimed, the exhibition that we talked about uh, two weeks ago with Lisa Watson and Jessica Lee Libos has its closing reception also over at Sulphur Studios. The Big Bond Bodega Artist Night is happening as part of First Friday. I'm kind of interested in that. On February 8th, that's Saturday, Show Me the Money, an arts grant writing workshop headed up by Pat Gunn, one of my Savannah Heroes, uh, recent guests on Art on the Air. You can find her article and recording at DoSavannah.com. And then finally, Lisa Rosemeyer's studio grand opening is also this Saturday from 2 to 6 p.m. She is down at City Market, and uh, her new gallery is right next to, is right upstairs from Pie Society, so you can find that there next door to Brian McGregor. Thank you so much for everybody listening. Thank you, H. Gene Thompson, for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Becca Cook, for sitting in the guest host chair. Of course. Some of that old Savannah magic <laughs> is next, but stay tuned. One last interview, Kelly Bamer, and, well, a little special guest. Enjoy. Rob Hessler here with Art on the Air Field Notes. I'm with Kelly Bamer to talk about Pit of My Stomach, her new exhibition over at Cedar House Gallery. Kelly, why don't you tell us what the show's all about? So I have a bunch of fiber arts works that are on canvas. It's a lot of really brightly colored faux fur, and it looks really fun from the corner of your eye, and then you get up close, and there's some creepy, absurd imagery. Well, let's talk about some of the pieces that are specifically in here. We're at your studio right now, and on your work table is a piece that most notably has a alligator mouth in it. <laughs> yeah, so... I like to incorporate taxidermy and real preserved animals or animal parts and then mix them in with synthetic stuff. And I see you have these little also on this piece are 
these little pockets that you've sewn with rib bones? Yeah, so we went out and had ribs with our friends. <laughs> and uh, I took them home and looked up online how to preserve them. And then I'm going to sew that into this piece. Okay, so what can people expect from the exhibition? Because it's at Cedar House Gallery, which, you know, is very much an up-and-coming gallery. Big gallery space downstairs. You're doing, your pieces are pretty large as well. So kind of tell us the nuts and bolts of what people can expect, like, in the show. Like, what are you planning? So I want to show some of these new works on canvas, probably about three or four of those. And then I have a couple floor pieces that I want to show that are new works, too. It's interesting that you call these canvases. I mean, they're on stretcher bars, but I don't know. Like, I think when people think of canvases, they have maybe a different thing in mind. Yeah, so it's more of like a relief sculpture, I guess, is how it would read visually. But I come from a background in painting, so I almost still think of them as paintings, Mm -hmm. even though they don't really look that way. For people who are familiar with your work, because you've recently been on Art on the Air, and you kind of talked a lot about your work, but people that are maybe familiar with your work, what maybe is, maybe some differences that are coming, that that they might see coming into this exhibition with the new works? It's getting more detailed. There's still more art history references. I don't know. It's, I mean, that's a tough one. <laughs> I'm kind of excited to see how some of this will look. I mean, it's all fresh, new new stuff. Let's talk about the lamp. So you have a table and a lamp that's coming out of a head. Talk about that. Yeah, it's it's sort of like in the cartoons where somebody has a lampshade on their head and that silly, drunken state of excess. Um, it's kind of that feeling of being over the top. We're in Kelly's studio, which is in her house, and we were kind of joking because it's very much a suburban home. <laughs> and this table <laughs> is like a little sort of end side table or yeah. something like <laughs> I want to say more, but I don't really know what else to say here. So, I mean, like, where did you get the idea for doing something like this? Because, I mean, this is like, it is like weirdly a suburban table, but it is about as, I mean, it diverts as far away from that as possible. Yeah, I, but that's also kind of why I'm excited to show at Cedar House. It is a house. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a house meets a gallery. So I think these works that, that sometimes reference the home or everyday life, um, but in a more magical way kind of work in that space I, I think it'll be interesting to see it there well I want to take a little pivot here now because you're also going to be having a musical guest during the opening reception the band Donna Savage and we have an exclusive interview here with one of the members of Donna Savage they're anonymous so to masked person anonymous person what is Donna Savage well as a member of Donna Savage, I, I don't really know too much about what, why we're doing this or, or what we're trying to do. I know that we don't really like going to Savannah at all. We don't. We live on the outskirts of Savannah now. Whenever we come to town, we typically get in trouble, and so we try to stay clear of that. But we're coming to town because we are very excited about these sculptures that Kelly Bamer's making. And we really connect with this kind of work that she's making. So we're, we're very excited to come to town to play this, this show for that. So how would you describe the genre of music that you perform as Donna Savage? 
Well, we started in this fiery garage in a town called Engsville, Florida. It's pretty loud. It's aggressive and dangerous. And we tend to spend a lot of time thinking about the beach and things that happen at the beach. So there's, uh, there's that kind of influence to it as well. Kelly, how did you hook up with this group exactly? I don't think I'm allowed to disclose that information. Tell us about the performance. When can we expect you over at Cedar House Gallery in case people want to hide their children? Well, we've uh, arranged things with our, our work. We, uh, we got some time off uh, at the Foot Locker. And so we're, it looks like we're going to be able to attend this and play the show. It's February 7th, which is on a Friday. Very busy day at the, at the sneaker store. Uh, the reception is at the Cedar House Gallery, which is at, uh, well, I, I, I can't really, I, I don't like to disclose where we're going to be this so specifically, but the Cedar House Gallery is on uh, 36th Street in Savannah, Georgia. Again, I, I don't like to, I like the idea that we're going there. Well, we've lost Donna Savage now here. So, Kelly, we're going to need to get more details than that since since uh, this mass representative of this band didn't want to reveal it. So tell us when your show is going to be up, what's going on with the opening reception. Give us all those details. Okay, so it's going to be February 7th through 9th, and then the reception will be on the 7th from 6 to 9. Well, Kelly, we're really excited. Again, the name of the show is Pit of My Stomach. Kelly Bamer, thank you so much for being on Art on the Airfield Notes. Thank you. That's all the time we have for this week's episode of Art on the Air with your host, Rob Hessler. Listen every Wednesday for our live show, broadcasting from 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time on 107.5 FM, Savannah Soundings, and worldwide at WRUU.org. And you can catch past episodes on the WRUU station archives on our website, as well as on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. We'll talk to you next week, where we'll have another batch of art on the air.